It's good to be back home. We've been away for um, a couple of weeks. We were looking after a, uh, a bush retreat up at Dubbo for a um, couple of weeks. That was pretty good. That was real good, actually. We caught up with um, our son and daughter who live in um, Orange, so they weren't very far away. And um, I got pulled into line by my little granddaughter. She's four. They do that to you. I was being a typical granddad and giving them you know, a bit of cheek now and then, as I do. Um, anyway, at one point I said, and I don't remember what it was in relation to, but I said, oh, heck. And um, Elise said to me, um, Estelle, I've got two granddaughters. One's Elise, one's Estelle. I get them confused. <laughs> Estelle said, um, we don't say those words. And I looked at her, she said, she said, my mum said, my mum said, let no, let, let no, un, un, let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth. So there you go. I thought that was pretty cool, actually. Here she is, she's learning memory verses, but not only that, she... Um, she knew what it meant. Let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Granddad. <laughs> anyway, um, it, was, it was good to be away and it's good to be back. Um, I guess today I'm going to ask a few questions. How are you going in your walk with God? How are, you go, how are you going in shining his light around? How are you going in shining his light to those who don't know the joy of what it is to be a child of God in your relationships with others? Are you reaching out? Are you game to reach out to others? Those who don't know God, do you feel incapable do you feel not able, not equipped? Today is not about being a guilt trip. It's not about um, our inadequacies, but it's about what is at our disposal and what it takes maybe to have a deeper walk with God. I guess um, when um, Kirsty was talking about spiritual warfare, and I did debate about talking about that, but I thought there was enough in my message already. But she was talking about our weapons of warfare. And she also mentioned praying in the spirit. In Ephesians, it talks about that. Um, so last time I spoke here, we looked at Daniel. Daniel had been exiled from his beloved country. He'd been separated from his family. And he'd been in um, Babylon for many, many years. We looked at how he lived and conducted himself in a strange new culture and an ungodly regime. Yet despite this, Daniel was very, very highly thought of 
and he was even elevated to the position of prime minister of the Babylonian king kingdom under King Darius. We saw that Daniel was a man of prayer. And when I was asked to um, speak a few weeks ago, Max, can you get up there and do... Thanks, Fred. <laughs> um, the um, subject we've been looking at, I'm not sure exactly what's been spoken about the last couple of Sundays, but for January it was on evangelism, evangelism and prayer. And so um, we saw that Daniel was a man of prayer. And today we're delving into what it is to be maybe a prayerful person or prayerful people and how that can or how that will impact our own lives and also those around us. It's really without prayer. Um, we're not walking close to God. In Daniel chapter 9, I'm going to read a little bit here, but I think this gives us a, um, a picture of, of Daniel and his prayer life. So in chapter 1, it, goes, it says, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, he was a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded to him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Daniel clothed himself in sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth was usually a coarse material of black goat's hair. It was quite uncomfortable. It symbolised debasement or mourning and or mourning and also repentance. The ashes which they threw over their head and over themselves signified desolation and ruin. It also talks about him going without food. And usually fasting was going without food for a number of days. If you can imagine this prayer... This is his prayer, but he probably prayed for a number, for quite some time. It wasn't just this short little bit we read here. So he was serious about his prayer. He was serious about praying to God. It goes on and says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands, we have done wrong. We have sinned. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servant, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day 
we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and both of people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. O Lord, we and our kings, our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. So they've been scattered right across the known world at that time for approximately 70 years. He goes, Now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day. We have sinned. We have done wrong, O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts. Turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Daniel's prayer is one of confession. Confession of selfishness and disobedience, confession of total disregard of their God, confession of arrogance and pride. As I read this, could you hear the cry of anguish, of sorrow, of pain, of humility, as Daniel pours out his heart for his nation, for his people. I guess it's easy for us, isn't it, as we sit back and point the finger at our leaders. And it's interesting, is that what we see Daniel doing? From all we read and know about Daniel... He was a holy and a righteous man. So much so when his enemies, the very jealous and envious soothsayers and the astrologers and the magicians, tried to trap him. 
in Daniel chapter 6. It's worth reading if you don't know about it. They sought to find fault in him, but they could not find any fault. They were jealous that he was about to be um, promoted to prime minister. This Jew, this Jew boy from another country. Yet here he is, humbling himself before God, fasting in sackcloth and ashes, confessing sin on behalf of his nation. Confessing sin on behalf of the leaders of Israel and all the people of Israel. And he says, we have sinned against you, O Lord. He's taking this upon himself, isn't he? He goes, oh, dear father, grant us mercy. Now, I think here's a lesson for all of us. How do we pray? Do we pray at all? How do we pray for our nation, for our elected leaders, for our workmates, our friends, our family? Is it with a broken, contrite heart? Is it with humility, care and compassion? And do we walk humbly and prayerfully as Daniel did? Do we walk humbly and prayerfully listening, listening to God? We're going to look at another prayer. which was Jesus. In chapter 17, verse 6, Jesus says, let me just uh, read that in a minute. Jesus is praying and he's about to undergo total humiliation from his creation. He is about to suffer and die at the hands of his creation. He's about to battle Satan and pure evil. He's about to be put to death and be enveloped by sin and darkness of the world. Yet here he is, he takes time to pray for his disciples. He takes time to pray for his disciples and also us, for you And for me, can you believe that? Way back then, he was praying for you and me. And he says, Father, he's praying for his disciples at this stage, Father, I have manifested who you really are and I have have revealed you to the men and women that you gave to me. They were yours and you gave them to me. And they, were, they have fastened your word firmly to their hearts. And now at last they know that everything I have is a gift from you. And the very words you gave me to speak, I have passed on to them. They have received your words and carry them in their hearts. They are convinced that I have come from your presence 
and they have fully believed that you sent me to represent you. So with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you, those you have given me. For all who belong to me now belong to you. And all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. Holy Father, I am about to leave this world to return and be with you. But my disciples will remain here. So I ask that by the power of your name, protect each one that you have given me. And watch over them so that they will be united as one even as we are one. While I was with these that you have given me, I have kept them safe by your name that you have given me. Not one of them is lost, except the one that was destined to be lost, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. And that was Judas. But now I am returning to you, so Father, I pray that they will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you, so that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. I have given them your message, and that is why the unbelieving world hates them, for their allegiance is no longer to this world, because I am not of this world. I am not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil, for they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. I ask that you guard their hearts from evil. Your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me, just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice, so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. Then he goes on to say, and I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one. Who's that he's talking about, guys? That's us, hey? I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. It's worth reading again. I pray for them to become one with us, one with the Father, one with Jesus, so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them, so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. The world will be convinced that you have sent me. Jesus is concerned for his disciples, just as he is for those who are believers today, just as he is for you and for me. 
He prays for protection from evil. And in the, when he teaches the disciples the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, he taught his, his disciples to pray, deliver us from evil. So he prays for protection from us. He also prays that we might be one with the Father, with him and with one another. And he says that if that were so, if we were one with the Father and if we were one with the Son, then we would be one with one another and the world will see and understand the truth. A simple equation, it seems. So living our lives and daily showing and displaying peace, joy, compassion and care, grace, mercy and forgiveness, all those things, loyalty, honour, obedience and sacrifice. Do people see that as, they, as we relate to them? You know, Satan continually attempts to sidetrack us. He continually tries to cause us to stumble, to question our worth, to bring us down. He puts stuff in our way to distract us. I found that all last week and the week before. <laughs> I had a sermon to prepare. It didn't finish until this morning. I had two weeks. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Lord, for helping me this morning. So he puts stuff in our way to distract us. We can be so easily distracted and lose our focus. So going back to Daniel, Daniel was a prayer warrior. He was humble and yet he was bold as well. Did you notice his boldness towards the end of that prayer? He was bold in knowing that he could consistently bring his petitions, his pain, his nation's sin before God. The thing about Daniel, he lived a prayerful life, an attitude of prayer. And I think that's a biggie for us to get hold of. Unless we live in that attitude of prayer, and we're always going to struggle because we're too far away from God. And then it's good to know too that Jesus prays for us, that we might become closer to him and to the Father. Prays for our protection from the evil one. Doesn't that give us confidence and boldness? We're not alone. As Kirsty was saying before, we're not alone. We, have, we can have confidence that we have God's angels protecting us. In Psalm 34, 7, it says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he rescues them. In Luke four ten, it says, For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. He has our back. And as I was preparing, preparing this, I was reminded 
Many years ago, um, I wasn't there at the time, my little brother and little sister told me about this. They were country kids, born in the Mallee, and um, they're down on the coast swimming at Ocean Grove on 13th Beach. Gets a bit rugged out there. And um, little benign to these dumb country kids, there can be an undercurrent there. And before you know it, you're out in deep water and you're struggling to get back. So Stephen and Julie, they were um, in dire straits. They were really, really struggling. And their comment was they were about to give up. And suddenly before them was a girl on a surfboard. And it was a huge surfboard. It's a big, long surfboard. Longer than what everyone else was using there. She had an orange bathing suit on. And she came up alongside them <coughs> and uh, took them in. And when they recovered, because they were pretty well out to it, when they recovered, they started looking for her. And they asked all the surfers around, these surfers, and you know what surfers are like, they're a bit of a family, they know one another, they know who's there. They said, the girl in the orange bikini, wearing bikini of all things, um, and they didn't know, never seen her in their life. <clears throat> and Stephen and Julie are convinced that that was an angel. Um, Julie is now and has been looking after, she's a, um, um, she's in charge of um, a number of preschools and she's, she's very much aware of her ministry amongst mothers and kids. She's uh, a glowing Christian. Stephen, we caught up with him just the other day up at Toowoomba. <clears throat> I said to Stevie, um, how long have you been senior pastor at this church? He's a senior pastor at Toowoomba Church of Christ. He said, um, 18 years. And he's highly thought of up there. But I guess what I'm saying is it wasn't their time. And God has his plans for us. God is there. His angels are all around us to protect us. And something else for us to be reminded of We need to be prayerful people. We need to understand and realise that God has our backs, that we have his protection, that he's watching over us. And then we have the Holy Spirit within us. And John fourteen six says, I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. To, he's there to convict us, to comfort us, 
to prompt us, to teach us to grow, to mature us, to become more and more Christ-like. The Holy Spirit is right here within us. It's as if Jesus himself was beside us. And I think we, we glibly pass over that sometimes. I know I did for many, many years. We cannot realise or value the importance of this highly enough. Many of us almost ignore the fact that his spirit is within us. A power that is untapped, we ignore it. Are we afraid of the spirit? I often think, what is holding us back? I guess we need to give more of ourselves to him. More and more and more of ourselves. It's a daily thing. It's not a once-off thing. We need to continually be doing that because it's so easy for us to just lose focus and to get sidetracked and Satan to, I guess, just quite easily has his way with us. In Romans 12, it says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, something we need to continually do. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. I'm also going to read just a little more in Acts. Yes, this is an example of what it is to be prayerful, what it is to be listening to God, what it is to be led by God if we're if we're walking with him. It's talking about um, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Let me read this to you. It said, Then the Lord's angel said to Philip, Go south from Jerusalem on the desert road to Gaza. So Philip left immediately on this assignment. An angel had said to him, Along the way, he encountered an Ethiopian who believed in the God of the Jews. This guy was a minister of finance for Candace, queen of Ethiopia. He was a very important fellow. He was on his way home from worshipping God in Jerusalem. As he rode along in his chariot, he was reading from the scroll of Isaiah. So reading from the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit, note this, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go and walk alongside the chariot. So Philip ran to catch up. As he drew closer, he overheard the man reading from the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. Philip asked him, sir, do you understand what you're reading? The man answered, how can I possibly make sense of this without someone explaining it to me. 
So he invited Philip up into his chariot to sit with him. The portion from Isaiah he was reading was this, and it's about Jesus Christ. He was led away to the slaughter like a lamb to be offered. He was like a lamb that is silent before those who sheared him. He never even opened his mouth. In his lowliness, justice was stripped away from him. And who could fully express his struggles, for his life was taken from the earth. The Ethiopian asked Philip, Please, can you tell me who the prophet is speaking of? Is it himself, or is it another man? Philip started with this passage and shared with him the wonderful message of Jesus. As they were travelling down the road, the man said, Look, here's a pool of water. Why don't I get baptised right now? Philip replied, If you believe with all your heart, I'll baptise you. The man answered, I believe that Jesus is the anointed one, the Son of God. The Ethiopian stopped his chariot and they went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, Philip was suddenly snatched up by the Spirit of the Lord and instantly carried away to the city of Ashdod, where he reappeared preaching the gospel in that city. Wow, crazy, eh? Do you think that can happen today? Some would say, no, that's... That's just, um, that's from the Bible and that was how it was in those days. But I don't believe that's so. The Holy Spirit does talk to us and he does tell us to do things. You mightn't get snatched away to go to another um, city as Philip was, but um, let me just give you a, an example. And this is, I guess, where I one thing that the Lord taught me a number of years ago. Um, I was going over to to Barham to confront. It wasn't really to confront. A guy owed me some money. Um, within our business and I hadn't been able to get far with it. And it's a guy I really liked and um, we got on well. So one day I decided I was going to drive over and see him and I was really, it was tearing me up. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I was greatly in prayer that there would be no... It wouldn't be confrontational, that it would be uh, a good time, that um, we would be able to get along and agree, etc., etc. So I, I was much in prayer. And I guess as I've been preparing this, this was brought back to me. <clears throat> and anyway, I, so I went and saw this guy, and we did have a, a really good conversation about money but but it went much deeper than that we talked about God and faith and it was a great 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 time really it was amazing anyway I, I left um, left his place and 
driving back home and so I drove across the bridge there at Kundruk, I noticed this guy riding a push bike. And, um, well, I'm a bit of a cyclist and um, I had no idea what this was leading to, but I just thought, oh, I'll stop this guy and have a chat to him and see if he's, um, you know, interested in joining the cycling club or might get to know him, etc., etc. Um so I stopped up the road a bit and he rode past, almost rode past, and I waved him down. And I said to him, I said, I don't normally wave people down like this. Um, anyway, it turns out he was from Adelaide and he was just touring around and um, he was able to do his job from his wherever he was with his computer. I invited him home and he camped. He was just camping around the place. He camped in our backyard for two or three nights and we had um, great conversation. He was actually a, um, he was very interested in Eastern mystical religion. Um, but we had some good conversation, some great conversation. And um, he came to church with us one day. And then on the Monday before he left, he asked us for a Bible. I know we haven't seen him since. But I guess what I'm saying is, you know, it reminded me as I read um, about Philip and the Ethiopian. Um, God says stuff to us, you know, and we quite often ignore it. Um, we don't listen to what God is saying to us. Something simple like, ask that bloke if he wants to join the bike club. I didn't know where it was going to go from there. And I don't know um, any more about Amjad, where he is today. But I believe, I truly believe that Margie and I were a small part in him um, being confronted with the gospel and he did tell us that he had a Christian friend in Melbourne who was um, also at him. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying um, in conclusion, what are we waiting for? God calls us to be his witnesses. He calls us to be his disciples. He says we are his workmanship. We carry the light. You know, do we realise that what we have is more precious than gold? It's more precious than anything this world can offer. It is. We should value that so highly and want to share that, not be afraid to share it. And I guess we're afraid of confrontation. We're afraid of what people might say. But I think if we're walking with God prayerfully, if we're seeking him on a day-by-day basis to be the people he wants us to be, then the words that He that we say will be come from the Holy Spirit if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, living our day, living our lives day-by-day in an attitude of prayer as Daniel did. Knowing that Jesus has our back, 
that we are surrounded by his angels and knowing and experience what it is to have his spirit within us, listening to him. It's another little story. We were, we were chatting with a, a lady just lately over at Mount Beauty. Um, someone were... Anyway, it's a long story. Anyway, Connie was saying, and she's not a Christian yet, but we had terrific conversation with her around coffee. And um, she was telling us this story that her son asked her for a, for a Bible and um, she didn't have one to give him. A couple of days later, she was in a shopping centre and um, she went to have a coffee. She sat down at a table and there on the table, there's no one else around, was a Bible sitting there on the coffee table. She looked around didn't seem to be anybody owned it. So she took it that that had been placed there for her, for her son. And you know that somebody left that Bible there. Somebody listened to God and said, leave your Bible there. Someone will pick it up. That's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need to listen. Let's pray. Lord, we confess to you that we fail you so often. We have the greatest news. We have the best thing that we could ever have is knowing you and knowing what it is to be your children, living as your family and knowing that we have a future with you, that this world is such a short time, a mere vapour. Lord, help us to be a prayerful people. Help us to listen to your spirit, to walk closer to you, to know what it is to be led by you, to be prompted by you. Lord, we thank you that you surround us with your love, You protect us from evil. Lord, there are so many who do not know you. So many lost people. For them, life is almost pointless, almost meaningless at times. Yet you see each one of us as highly valued. You love us all and you want those who do not know you yet to come to you, to acknowledge who you are, to receive you as one of your children. 
Lord, we are your workmanship. We are, we carry the light of the world. You ask us to be your servants. We just thank you for your love. We thank you for all you do for us, for all we have in you. We are nothing without you. We just lift your name high now and praise you. Do these things in your name. Amen.